You let me know we're live, sir. Are we live? <laughs> yes. Am I awkwardly talking to you right now? <laughs> You're awkwardly talking into the live. Yeah. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Hello. What's good? What's good? Oh, good morning. I hear myself. Yeah, I had to close the, the YouTube tab, like, pops up, and then all of a sudden I hear us talking, but five seconds ago. Um, good morning. How are you, boys? Good morning. You guys uh, well, caffeinated? I had um, a rare second cup for the morning. Wow. I've been a trying not to do that. Uh, but, you know, got the workout in and uh, it's live stream day, so why not? Dude, I got to say that's some serious uh, alpha is the uh, wait, you know, 90 minutes to have the caffeine, get the workout in and treat yourself to a little boost right after. It's so nice. Yeah, I just yeah. got out of the sauna, just boosting right up, man. Wow, how are your sleep levels these days? Did you? I slept terribly crazy? last night. One of the oh, worst nights, nights I've had since the since the uh, since the birth. Uh, I, I didn't. I barely slept last night. Yeah. Okay. I had a rough one, but um, you guys should still you guys should still pick one up. Pick yeah, up a still, little. Still add. Still get one. Still, still get add to cart. Seriously, I sent you guys a picture yesterday because I was like just exploding with like, oh my god, this is so fun. Um, you did send some very cute pictures. But let's so talk cute. money. So, so Nick, yesterday, actually, all of us were here, right, in the office, and um, uh, the market's in an interesting situation. We have a friend, Carne Asada, Chris, just walks into the uh, the office <laughs> common area, living room space, plops himself down on the sofa, grabs a really nice Japanese whiskey, pours a a nice uh oh that one was nice good. pouring nika coffee nika coffee was yeah. yeah and says one. i just bought 100 eth it's like he backed it out it's actually 125 eth so we were just randomly talking about the markets and the open thing he cures it goes back to his computer comes back he just yoloed 200k well, he sort of, I, I think he sort of had this aha moment where he was like realized he had no exposure and he was sitting here just assuming that there would be a bottom and then he's just going to buy the bottom. And I'm just like, what, what if it's not that easy, man? What if the, what if the bottom's already in? And he goes, huh. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of walks in the other room and just market buys. I think he like bottom ticked it. I he think did. he bought it like 1634 or something. What do yeah. we, what did we bottom at he, yesterday? He nailed it. I mean, he's he's, he's he up. nailed the bottom within like three dollars. So, good job. I mean, the, the bottom, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the last look, twelve hours. <laughs> looking uh, looking good right now, though. Um, it's been an awesome week to be a uh, crypto enjoyer. It's been it's been awesome to watch like uh, just a, a nice little fun pump together and uh, some. Some coins I never heard of, some coins I've heard of like four years ago, Pump. Um, but it's also been like a little weird. Um, you know, throughout the week, um, like bond yields have gone up, right? Like pr pretty pretty drastically, like, I don't know, 8 to 12%, depending on which one you're looking at. So like the 10-year yield got up to 3.9. I think the two-year got, what, close to uh, something like 4 4.8. So, you know, you have these like risk-free yields going up and stocks were kind of like, I don't know, range bound, not really moving much. And then crypto just ignoring everything and just uh, 
kind of uh, taking it for a rip, which is kind of fun to watch. Yeah, good times. But it was, it, is it a little confusing for you? Because it's a little confusing to me when you see, you, like, bond yields don't really move that drastically, but they move pretty drastically over the week, and uh, usually that's not a good thing for risk assets. So, um, yeah, just curious what your guys' thoughts were, like, if, if that at all plays into what you've been thinking. I mean, you say usually, but do you mean, like, in the last year? Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously the last year over the year, but, like, even within a week, though, I mean we all we saw was maybe the market coming to grips that the fed is going to hike a few more than they were pricing in and maybe keep it flat um but uh yeah usually that doesn't do good things for for stonks and in crypto Mm. yeah i mean we're obviously in a decoupling phase this year i know that word gets thrown around a lot but it might be transitory decoupling can we invent that Um, like that you can have it yeah, I mean, we have just been really outperforming stocks this year. But like to an extent, you could argue this is maybe overdue, some sort of reversion to the mean thing, because we got destroyed versus stocks last year. Um, we had like the opposite thing going on. So um, I think Can the I... dollar still matters. Oh, yeah, the dollar's up too. Yeah, well, the dollar is currently, like as we... As we record this, the dollar is currently actually selling off. I think that the dollar chart's kind of interesting hmm. right now. Is that up on the screen? It is. It has. Yeah. It has been. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Good we uh, we 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 were like sixteen. We were sub sixteen seventy on ETH when we when we started, you know, prepping for this, and then we ripped up above seventeen, and that that really coincided with this move down in the dollar here. So it seems like. Uh, the the dollar is still somewhat relevant, although it's it's been interesting that over the last you know couple of weeks the dollar has ripped pretty hard and and stocks have kind of cared a little bit and crypto hasn't cared um, at all. I actually I actually just went long e- even longer. I longer erred the dollar. I've already been long since down at like one hundred one point five or so. Um, I, I think the reason we sold off on the dollar is um, we sort of bonked into this 200-day, uh, I suspect, is what happened. And I feel like these are sort of automatic reaction areas. Sometimes people trade these levels. Um, this what is the bl- 200? The, the, this yellow line here is the 200-day moving average. I think just say it out loud, though. Oh, I can't, I can't even oh, see you're it right. Well. People aren't watching this. So yeah. You need to adjust yeah, to that. Not everyone. First of all, everybody should be watching this. Um, <laughs> at least watch the the replay on YouTube so there you can get go. all the nice visuals. Um, but yeah, for the days, audio junkies, give the audio <laughs> junkies what they need. <laughs> 200 days is about 104.7 uh, right now. So we bonked off of that. We're trading at about 103.9. As we record this, I think this is an interesting spot for a trade. You see this. Uh, what color is this line? Is this blue? Would you say this line is blue up here? Uh, <laughs> I don't even see blue there, man. I, like, I don't what see is dark gray. What, what is dark gray or a light gray? I'm so colorblind. Anyway, I mean, I feel colorblind looking at that. So don't worry. OK, cool. Yeah. Uh, this light gray line is a really interesting level. This is actually last decades high in the huh. dollar. This was at about uh, 103.86 or so. Um, 
you could see that was a reaction level kind of last year and we started ticking up, we lost it. And then kind of once we, once we traded through it and recovered it, we really went to the moon. Right. And you could see into this year, it was kind of acting as uh, support had a breakdown below it. Right. This move here could be kind of nasty to me, this, this kind of breakdown below that level. And then if we recover this, um, cause this looks like a just absolutely, you know, gigantic, maybe like deviation below that level. So, uh, if we kind of recover that, uh, one Oh, one Oh three, eight level there. Um, I, I don't know, that could be set up for like a really nasty reversal. And, and, and I think if that happens, then we are, you know, we're probably effed for the, for the time being. Um, but I, I, I took a long here. I think it's like an interesting way to hedge my crypto portfolio. I long basically long the dollar by shorting uh, the euro. I got like an entry or, or like a 103.9 or so. I got an do, entry. Do you know off the top of your head what the like what percentage the euro basket is in the basket against the dollar? I want to say it's like 65 percent. Yeah, It's the majority of the measurement. It's a lot. And yeah. I feel like Japan's currency is actually get some things going for it now. So it might be some benefit to just isolating it to the Euro. Um, not going to go out here and claim to you that I'm some sort of a FX savant. I'm just trading some lines. Um, but yeah, I really like this as a trade to at least target the uh, previous high we had um, around 105, 63 or so. Um, so I've got that trade on while I'm simultaneously, you know, balls deep in, 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 in crypto. Um, but that's just like an interesting thing to watch. Um, also, you can see that stocks have been uh, really shit. Pardon all the uh, lines everywhere, but this is not a this is this is like brain damage uh, chop we've had here <laughs> for the last uh, last couple of weeks. And these are some big levels that we failed to kind of break through and, and sold off into around you know forty one ten forty one eighty nine. So. I don't know. It's a weird environment right now. You know, like if you if I just showed you a chart of stock market, bond yields and the dollar, you would think that crypto Crypto's is <laughs> absolutely going to Hades. Um, but it's 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 not. So I, I have a weird few time to be alive. data points. I was like curious. I was laying in bed last night and I was just trying to like figure this out um, just in terms of the correlation. So over the last four years or so, mm -hmm. um, or actually, no. Take that back. Going back to 2017, um, Bitcoin and NASDAQ have like a 0.65 positive correlation. And just as like a benchmark, like ETH and Bitcoin over that same time period had like a 0.76. So, you know, fairly, fairly highly correlated. Um, mm -hmm. And then you like truncate that down to the last um, three months or so, and it's 0.25. And you truncate that down to the last two weeks, and it's negative 0.07. So, you know, who knows if it's transitory or not, but um, in the last, uh, it's becoming increasingly less correlated over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, I don't know. I find it fascinating because I don't really know why, why that happens. Um, maybe it's that like, uh, you know, China is just pumping a bunch of liquidity and China is pumping, um, you know, crypto and it has a bigger impact on crypto than it is on say the U S stock market. I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on like why that correlation is like flipped and trending pretty hard downwards over the last, I don't know, couple months or so. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about this a little bit. I, I just think crypto got insanely oversold coming into last year. I mean, FTX 
in, in, in retrospect, looks like a, quite the capitulation moment. And it's, it's funny to reflect back and think that, like, well, I don't know. Was that the capitulation moment? I thought the summer was capitulation and then worse things happened and then worse things happened. And then now it seems kind of obvious in retrospect, but we were scared at the time about, um, about Genesis and what other shoes there may have been to drop. So hard to beat ourselves up too much over it. But yeah, it was like this kind of really nasty one, two punch of that capitulation, some year end, like tax harvesting flows, all this stuff just kind of worked against us. And now that's gone completely, in reverse. Um, I also think that crypto doesn't care about recessions to the same extent that stocks do because never there's had one before. Well, it, it, yes, I'm, I'm pontificating here for sure. Right. But my logic is that there aren't any earnings attached to crypto. Right. And I could, I, I think it's mostly a liquidity trade, and then you have stuff like Ethereum that has kind of like its own fundamentals attached to it right now. Like we're just burning, we're just torching ETH right now with all the activity happening with the blur airdrop and, you know, a little NFT uh, season happening. Um, this stuff is upward pressure on the price. And we did torch a lot of ETH since the merge. And it's basically hasn't had any time to shine because it's just been basically down only hell since the merge so you may be seeing like some of these um supply shock dynamics start to actually rear their head and i suspect the market is not stupid i think the market is starting to price in shanghai right and i i think the big thing about the shanghai fork um, which hopefully is coming in the next couple of months is that you're going to de-risk staking for a lot of people. The idea being that um, people will feel safer staking now because they can actually withdraw their staked ETH. Uh, as a result, uh, a lot more people stake, which means a lot more ETH is taken off the market, which means the supply shock kind of grows and maybe we're sort of front-running that a bit. So the dynamics of crypto, other than the possibility of um, macro, uh, recession right are really good and and i do think that is a headwind but i think that the setup here is better for crypto than it is for stocks and i've i've believed that for a few months now i don't own any stocks i just only own crypto and treasure <laughs> treasuries so basically is is the assumption you're making there that like if we did go into recession let's say like last quarter of this year or maybe sometime next year that there would still like liquidity would still be flat or potentially even going up. Is that the assumption you're making? Yeah. And I, I think the rate of change of liquidity is, is really important. Like, I don't think the market just sits there and just like liquidity is going linearly down as predicted, but then like every day or every month, the, the crypto is like, Oh God, liquidity is being drained. Who could have predicted it? Like, I think there was a shock to the system last year because the rate of change of liquidity drain was so much greater and faster than anybody thought, right? And 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 I think that you saw crypto recover really quickly sort of towards the end of fall. And and and, and keep in mind ETH basically bottomed in in last June, mm -hmm. right? It didn't yep. bottom in the fall. So to an extent, I think 
you could make an argument that crypto actually was front running some of the changes in liquidity dynamics that we saw um, to the start of this year before before it happened. I mean, um, there was actual crypto liquidity that was vanishing at the time. So, yeah, crypto has it its own great. liquidity, right? With <laughs> yeah. the, the stablecoin supply, which we've 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 talked about a bunch. So it's like a liquidity dynamic kind of within a liquidity dynamic. It's it's kind of an interesting little ecosystem there. It's like one of the it's like its own ecosystem outside of the the TradFi ecosystem. So we're still trying to figure out how to parse all of that for sure. Um, but yeah, I think. There, there, are, there are people a lot smarter than me who are sort of, you know, macro talking heads who are talking a lot about how even though the Fed is hiking rates, like there's actually a strong incentive for 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 the government to kind of keep the liquidity spigot flowing. Um, and right now that's been kind of pushed forward by, by Janet Yellen with the, the Treasury General account, um, mm-hmm. really counteracting all the stuff the Fed is doing via QT and kind of keeping that liquidity spigot flowing. And and I don't really see an end to that until, you know, at least the, the debt, debt ceiling, ceiling yeah. debacle gets resolved. Although, again, you know, the market probably knows this to some extent. So, um, you know, how much does that get front run? I don't know. But I think those are kind of the overall uh, dynamics that you're, you're, you're dealing with as a, as yeah. a crypto investor. The, um- we both kind of watched, there was a podcast on, um, I think it was Blockworks Macro with Michael Howe. He leads up uh, cross-border capital. He's another like liquidity guy. His fundamental thesis is that liquidity drives asset prices. He has a little different uh, formulas than, than 42 Macro. I think he kind of takes into more global liquidity. Mm-hmm. And uh, he obviously mentioned that that China coming in with heavy stimulus um, you know, is is the one thing that that could uh, change things over this year and start the like rise up of liquidity. Um, he did say that that the Chenery, the Treasury General account balance could make things choppy through the summer, but but still that China stimulating, um, even while the Fed is kind of decreasing its balance sheet, could uh, could give uh, you know some liquidity to the markets. And I wanted. I, I'm curious what that Brian Armstrong tab you have open because I had the same tweet open. He, he was kind of mentioning um, he like uh, quote tweeted someone and, and that that person was uh, basically talking about how uh, China has liquidity. And if you remember back to 2017 when we were you know trading shit coins for fun and not really knowing what we're doing, probably similar to a lot of what we do today. But uh, you know there the the impacts from from Asia were huge. You know, as soon as Asia woke up, markets moved a lot more. They did in, in the United States, and and I think the person quoted in that in that tweet was basically saying like, "Be prepared for that again." Now that China is uh, stimulating and, and the U.S. is is not necessarily. Um, yeah, he had a tweet February fifteenth one. Uh, February fifteenth, is it? Yes. Yep, that one. Yeah, America risks losing its status as a financial hub long term with no clear regs on crypto and a hostile environment from regulators. Um, he's referring to a tweet from this uh, Noodle of Binance account. Very authoritative source here. Very authoritative. Um, uh, big tweet came out a couple of days ago. It said on, on June 1st, 2023, Hong Kong will officially make crypto purchase and selling trading fully legal for all of its citizens expect a huge influx of big money from the east asian currency based stablecoin coming out of hong kong will be a certainty as well um 
So this this is something that we really have to always keep in mind when we are thinking about crypto. Like we're always talking about global liquidity, blah, 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 right? On a relative basis, the size of the crypto ecosystem is just infinitesimally small relative to TradFi, right? There are entire there are stocks that Bro, are the fucking Google uh, ten per the hundred billion dollar loss was ten percent of the entire <laughs> crypto market. <laughs> yeah, that's a, like uh, that's a great one <laughs> one video caused more. Literally over ten percent of the entire crypto market cap. Yeah, one video. I saw Ray Dalio get interviewed. I forget where it was. It was like maybe like three, four weeks ago, and he just like he got a question about crypto. And he just poo pooed it, like literally swapped it aside with his hand because he's like, this thing is so small, it's like not uh, significant. Um, yeah, I'm glad so, you guys brought this up because like the more important thing I think you're driving at here is uh, it is really continually surprising to me how conservative America is in the global landscape and how not competitive we are in this area. And we continue to just watch and wait. And this conservativeness is causing others to look at that opportunity and say, hey, like we can really pioneer something special here. And given how infinitesimally small this entire market is, uh, we can help spearhead the adoption and the growth of this industry as a whole. And there's a huge opportunity there. And that could really shift things geopolitically as well, which is something we haven't talked about in a while. Um, the geopolitical ramifications of all this is what's really interesting to me. And the types of people that are going to stay or leave a country because of its policies and regulations toward crypto is also really, really incredibly important. Um, you know, why wouldn't you want to live in a place like Portugal or Dubai or Hong Kong if that was your livelihood and if it allowed you to do things that you could not otherwise do? A lot of people, you know, and then that hits that last time what I brought up around all of our graduate students coming from other countries with visas and then not being able to stay and them not being automatically issued green cards. Uh, the combination of all those things worries me. They were did being you, too conservative in this area. Armand, did you see the the Charlie Munger video that uh, Eric posted in the Discord yesterday? It was hilarious. This guy's sitting in a live interview, just munching on peanut brittle, slamming Diet Cokes, <laughs> eating Doesn't cookies. Doesn't give a fuck anymore. And, and he's answering the question about crypto to Becky Quick. And, uh, and he makes her blush because he's like, this crypto shit, crypto, crypto shit, this. crapo. Oh, yeah, crypto crapo. And, oh my uh, god! Yeah. Anyway, but then he literally <laughs> said "crypto shit" live on there <laughs> multiple times. Oh. Multiple wow. times. She's laughing. Yeah. Um, that's that's like uh, that ninety plus don't care energy, right? <laughs> I thought I, I I thought it was funny, but I also thought he got kind of owned, right? Like he got asked to quite like his own. He he. he I'm going to butcher the quote, but he's he it was a quote in, from a speech he gave, and he said, "I don't hold." Any I'm, I'm not qualified to hold an opinion on something if I can't make an argument for the other side better than they can. And she's like, could you make the argument for crypto? And he's like, there is no argument. It's fucking stupid, basically. And then but I thought that was kind of a cell phone, even though it was also funny. It was very funny. But, that, but like, yeah. I he to back him up a bit, I didn't realize the guy 
is now 99 years old. Charlie dude, this guy's Munger, got DNA strands made of steel. Like he's, dude, like really just he's still sugar. doing interviews <laughs> at 99 years old. He's working. The man is working. Oh, dude, these these like silent generation motherfuckers are just built differently. Like unbelievable. They they're they must just look at the youth today and just. We're I mean, they probably don't care because they're just they're just so <laughs> like. But they must just be like these fragile, pathetic little. <laughs> totally. I mean, I already say that about Gen Z. So, you have been a great, you have been a great silent generation guy, Armand. Oh, man. I feel like you're you're in the wrong, wrong decade for sure. Your soul is there, um, though. Your soul, your soul is there for sure. Oh, before I forget though, like the, I think the big takeaway from this Hong Kong tweet, right, is to to keep in mind the fact that because crypto is so tiny, that changes to the relative flows of liquidity within the crypto ecosystem can easily overpower stuff that's happening in TradFi. Because like if you pour a hundred billion dollars into a trillion dollar ecosystem, right? That, that that's peanuts in the normal world. But that would be like a huge boon to activity, liquidity, whatever you want to call it, within crypto. So the prospect of that sweet, sweet Asian money coming in and just, you know, buying up all the coins. Stephen, like Stephen, can you cue the Filecoin chart, please? <laughs> oh, Filecoin. This is like a great example what a, what of like missed, what, what, you're, opp- what you're talking about. What a missed about. opportunity so by stupid. me here. Uh, I had a, I had a, I was talking to you guys about how I started scaling in on my positions because I felt like YOLOing wasn't really like a good idea. So I was, I was planning on building yeah, probably a thirty or forty thousand dollar position on this, and I bought like, I nibbled like two or three grand at like five bucks, and I was like, I'm gonna just scale in on like a, re-, and it just went straight up, and, and it, <laughs> I, checked, I checked, and I was up, I was up like forty five percent on the position today. <laughs> But, but this I, is only a good example. Like, I only put like 10% of the, the, the size in or 5% of the size. You know, um, apparently is, this is, is there an Asian is, Asian tie-in to this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that same profile was basically like sharing some telegram chats that like a lot of people in Hong Kong are talking about this. I don't think there's any like anything fundamental that's changing about the project. Um, and uh, it, it certainly pumped uh, because of it. So it's just a good example of of, you know, Hong Kong. Asia money coming in and really just setting up uh, crypto on fire. Um, and then now you have like, um, I think I saw a tweet at Hal Press right before we started, like what coins are most <laughs> most associated with China? Uh, very, very curious now on uh, what else could, could get pumped. Uh, this is a great point. example of why learning how to draw lines on charts is useful. I mean, look at, look at how clean this was, right? You, you basically... God, it, it's so clean. I mean, this, this this is what I bought. I bought this this retest of this kind of 490 zone here. Um, definitely pull this chart up on the video if you can. But like, this was just like insane risk reward buying here. You had this breakdown, support, recover, retest, and then just absolute send. And this is like a high time frame chart. It's such a good buy. Uh, kicking myself. Um, anyway, that point you brought up with Hal, I think is super critical because I, I was actually thinking about this in the shower this morning. Uh, no, no cap. <laughs> and uh, um, 
I was like, yeah, if the Asians are coming, because I, I was thinking about Aptos, right? Like Aptos just mega moon because all the Koreans just started buying it, I guess. And then I was like, I don't, re I don't know what the Asians like. The Asians probably don't like any of the dumb coins I like. There's probably all these coins we don't know about. There's a whole new meta that we have to adjust to of crypto. Like there may be all these projects that are just super obvious that people like in Asia and we don't, we don't buy them and we buy all the wrong stuff and all the Asian coins moon. And then we're just like on the outside looking in, just weeping at all of the, the money we miss. So we need to figure out how to do that. If, if there's anybody in the discord who's like Korean or something, I mean, what's just Justin help out. <laughs> got his bags in Tron. Hey. Obviously. Yeah, the fact that Tron just still exists and is sort of thriving is a <laughs> It's like funny and sad and funny again. Oh, all right. Can we well, um is this a good time to pull up the, the stable coin chart from, from last week? We had a request to to do that again. And I'm just curious, like, since we're talking about liquidity coming into crypto, does that change that chart at all? Or Yeah, I mean I doubt we've seen too much. Again? movement on it we can pull it up here um so we get the total is this the chart no, oh i have the wrong uh i have too many too many too things. many charts too many charts he's he's a too many charts um yeah, let me see if I... How are you? This is like the area of life where you're like a legitimate techno king. Yeah, you're organized. I actually am a techno... I, I want you guys to know that I actually physically repaired my own computer yesterday to get it to function again. It wouldn't turn on, and I and, and I, I wouldn't be here today. So I, I, don't, I don't get enough credit, I feel like, with this sometimes. Because you broke your brand new computer? Uh, it's not brand new. It's like okay. seven years old, and I <laughs> built it from scratch with my own bare hands. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, with so a, with nothing. an axe and nails and a hammer. Yeah, I mean, on the stablecoin chart, there's not too much change from last week. Uh, we we're sort of sitting at a similar level. Again, we want to see flows coming into the market to help this ratio out. Um, stablecoins coming in makes the the danger line on the ratio go back up to safe levels. And uh, I think, is this? Uh, yeah, okay. So here's the actual crypto market cap. Of, of stables. Um, I was doing TA on this the other day because why not? Uh, <laughs> um, but it is interesting to note. I mean, we, we were, we've been down only since like last May, like very severely down. And if you want to, you know, bear with me and do some TA on a stablecoin market cap chart. I mean, we had, we printed this kind of like falling wedge and uh, bearish divergence in R RSI. And we kind of broke out of that and then had that pump. And then it looks like if you squint, we retested like the bottom of stablecoin market supply, um, you know, like a week ago. And actually, we have seen like a pretty big influx um, in in the last the, the last like three days is a three day candle here. Um, so. This looks kind of good to me. Like if you want to say like this is like a leading indicator for crypto and we've bottomed in stablecoin and maybe we're ticking up right now, then you can kind of get in in advance of those flows, think those flows are going to pour into coins. And then maybe this starts looking good because maybe if this starts ticking way, way up, then our you know risk chart kind of either starts ticking up or at least goes sideways here. Um, 
and doesn't hit these like super, super um, risky levels. So that's kind of my hope um, for the big picture on things. I think a couple other big picture things that are worth noting. Um, there's a uh, ETH, it's the ETH versus a S&P chart, I think, that I wanted to show. Yeah, so this chart is really interesting to me. This is a chart of the ratio of Ethereum versus the S&P 500. Um, this is like a pretty sick technical breakout in my opinion. Like if we're able to hold this, um, there aren't really numbers on this particular chart because it's just a ratio. So you're going to have to just, um, you're going to have to check out the video there. But if we can kind of break above this line and hold, I mean, we've just got, it's just blue skies. It's just blue skies all the way up, uh, you know, up up to <laughs> that level we, we broke down from last April. I mean, I, I, I see a lot of reason to be bullish, at least on a relative basis here. And that's why I think that even if stocks go sideways or like slightly down all year, it's not necessarily like an automatically bad thing uh, for crypto. And as far as like ETH goes, I mean, it's worth noting that like when we were when we did this episode last week, we were um, we were here at around, uh, you know, 1500, basically, like we were we were at the bottom of that 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 range and kind of breaking down and people were very, very, very scared at that point. Um, and I actually drew this little plan up on the, 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 the stream, like, right. I was like, if we kind of break down, blow this level and then kind of reclaim, that's going to be a, a big like go signal for me. And I, I scaled into a lot of calls there. Um, and that ended up being like a, a really, really nice trade. Um, I think now we're in a very somewhat dangerous area in the midterm. Um, we're still in this like range between like kind of 17, 13, 1507 is kind of like the effective range as, as, as I see it. Um, and we've got a mid range here around like 1608 that you can kind of see has been like a nice pivot point for price that we've kind of, you know, vacillated up and down around. Um, we really want to hold above this kind of 1682 magic gray box level. Cause if we can kind of hold above here, I think we can kind of consolidate, push back to new all time highs. I think if we break down from here, you're hoping that we kind of find some support in the mid range. And in this, um, this like kind of supply zone here between, uh, 1609 and 1643, I think that's actually like a good place to maybe look to, to add. If you feel like you missed out, if we lose that, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling great, but I, I, I hedged out a little bit of my options trade here in the, in, in the box. And, you know, I'm waiting to see a little bit of confirmation on, on price up here to see if we can, uh, kind of go, um, go higher. But it, it is my hope that we eventually kind of come up here, um, around like 2000 and like take out these, uh, kind of equal highs to the top of this range we had here back in May. I, I've, I've been, you know, thinking for a while, we could basically be setting up a big accumulation range between, you know, 2000 and, you know, call it like 11 or 1200 or so. Like this is kind of like the, the bear case, I think, if, um, 
TradFi goes really, really badly, and we end up kind of going back down. Um, and maybe we don't see a bull run until next year. So uh, kind of the midterm game plan. Um, a lot of this game plan, I think, is revolving around stuff that we, we should actually talk about because a lot of it has to do with um, what's going to happen by the end of March or so. Yeah. And um, our, 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 our boy, Jem uh, Croissant, uh, the, the, the croissant, who's, who's become very popular, by the way. Um, yeah, like he he mentioned in his latest video that uh, Goldman Sachs had picked up on his kind of like he calls it a window of weakness between basically today, uh, which is the February options expiration and the end of March, which is the uh, near the March expiration. Um, and this is if you go back to 2020, this is the, the, the zone at which we kind of the stock market capitulated like 30 percent in a 30 day period or something crazy. Um, so he he has talked about this for four months. And so, uh, you know, big, big firms have picked it up. He even joked that like ChatGPT had picked it up and his forecast yeah. a crash of the stock market. So, yeah, he's certainly gotten more popular. The question is, if this idea has gotten more popular, is it less likely to happen? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, like how fast he rose to prominence. I mean, tip of the hat to uh, Rizzy in our Discord. I think he introduced him to me like early last year and he was still talking in these cryptic emojis at the time and I couldn't yeah. like understand a damn thing he was tweeting and he's talking about Vanna and Charm and I had no idea what any of that was at the time. But like he seemed smart and a lot of people who I thought were smart thought he was really smart. Um, so I tried to follow him and learn a little bit about, about options flows and how they affect the market. and. Yeah, we, we talked about this on the pod in November, actually, <laughs> this idea that we're, we could have like a huge rally to start the year and then run into this kind of Feb 15 OPEX date um, side, uh, sandwich next to inflation. And that could be like a point in time where the market um, kind of dips and maybe just goes down for, for good again. Um, but in that gap, like he's risen to this like uh, meteoric fame, right? Where he's doing these shows on uh, the what is it TD Ameritrade? They have they yeah. have the show, yeah. um, and everybody's talking about him now. And there's this thing in markets, right? Where once everybody is focused on the thing, it 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 doesn't happen anymore. Um, and that's what he was talking about in his last interview. It was the first time I heard him talk about the idea that everybody is talking about his stuff now and maybe thinking that it might not work. Um, did, did you watch, did you watch that whole interview? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, he, he basically said like, it's, it's certainly not, not <clears throat> guaranteed, but, um, you know, if you look at the price of the S and P 500 now, it's around that 40, 50 level, you know, that's where, um, you know, some heavy people like Carl Icahn have some big boy puts. And if the market goes below that level, the dealers have to bet alongside him, um, and, uh, that could cause like this, like, I think he, he used the term like gamma puke, but, uh, but yeah, so he, he basically said, you know, the, what we should look for is basically from now till the end of February. Um, if we go down, then it could possibly happen. But if we don't, then you could see the party continue and it, that it doesn't necessarily have to happen. And this next two weeks is kind of his, or next 10 days or so is his time frame that he's. He's looking at, um, you know, to see if this will actually play out or not. Yeah, for, for people who don't understand why any of this matters, and I'm going to talk at a very high level, right? When when 
a lot of people buy puts, right? They are betting the market's going to go down. And the, the dealers who are selling the puts, they don't want to be directionally biased. They want to be delta neutral, right? So if you sell a billion dollars of puts to Carl Icahn, you have to go into the market and short um, stocks, right? So that if it moves against you, you can remain delta neutral. You have this phenomenon of like vol decay that happens where as you approach like these critical dates, um, the amount of delta that has you have to be exposed to decreases, right? So as a dealer, if you needed to be short a million contracts two weeks before, maybe a week before you need to be short um, 500,000 contracts maybe, you know, and then maybe after that, you know, goes to zero. So that process of dealers adjusting their positioning means that they're actually like buying, right, as, as, as those dates approach, which causes this like supportive flow to the markets, right? Which is why like sometimes um, after these like inflation dates where everybody's betting on um, puts and hedging, when that vol doesn't materialize, and everybody has to buy back all their positions, it creates this lift um, in the markets. And, and that's what we're kind of watching right now. We're watching to see what happens to the markets now that that supportive lift isn't there anymore. And what he said in this interview is that we sort of have this critical uh, one to two week period um, starting now where if that downside move actually doesn't um, materialize we're going to start moving to the end of the month and these flows are actually going to start coming up again and and he he pointed out that march is an even bigger opex date because it's the end of a quarterly period right so he was talking about a scenario now where like if we don't break down here we kind of like end up moving back up into a month in february and then that slingshots us into march and then potentially creates this like mega reflexive effect like back up um, where ultimately this ends in some sort of call squeeze and he said the kind of warning sign to look out for is like a is a big rise in markets alongside a rise in volatility typically you see volatility go up as markets go down um, and he pointed this out as sort of like a get the fuck out of dodge signal um, eventually when this happens like eventually he, he, he said, a, like, a watched market never boils, right? When everybody is watching for downside, when everybody is hedged to the downside, it's difficult to get downsize moves, right? But eventually, if enough time passes, people keep buying vol protection, it never materializes, and, and then eventually, like, that, that protection kind of goes away because everybody's getting wrecked, and then you set up this sort of rubber band effect where you can actually finally have those big moves down. Um, and he's talked about the, the fact that long term, the Fed and the markets are still on a crash course here. There's still liquidity um, coming off the table. There is increased demand um, for, uh, for, for bonds, which is, which is kind of like sucking demand for equities. I mean, you can get over 5% now in a, in a six month. So longer term, there are these negative effects working against the stock market. Um, but in the meantime, we have these weird dynamics where we could... And, and, and I, I think we could get like 4,300 on the S&P. That would be like a really sick move for me. We can get a nice move up in crypto there. And, and if we get that, like by end of March, 
it right before like tax day. It, it seems like April, May is always just terrible for crypto. You, you always want to, I just feel like every year I'm always like, why didn't I sell in May? We, we got wrecked in May last year. We got wrecked in May the year before that. Um, sell in May, go away, wait till the summer is over and then you buy in the, the fall. It's, it sounds stupid, but it just seems to work. So it's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Um, you know, just in terms of like a game plan for the next six weeks or so. But yeah, mega crunch time right now, seeing what happens with 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 stocks, with the dollar and, and, and kind of crypto as a result of that. Yeah. Um, speaking of the like um, crash course between the Fed and um, and the market, I saw that um, uh, Jim Bianco had a had a tweet this morning. It was pretty good. Um, he kind of like visualized it. And I'm going to see if I can uh, pull it up here and take over your screen sharing power. Please do. Um, So let's see here. Where's my Zoom? I'm going to get lost on all my screens. So let's see here. Share screen. Okay. So um, this is the one we want to share. Here we go. And uh, yeah, he had this chart here. Let me pull it up. Um, So this chart, let me zoom in for everyone here. And this is what we talked about when we started off the the episode. But, um, you know, what what you're looking at in this dark blue line is basically what the Fed has said that they're going to do. That, you know, they're going to get up to a little over 5% and they're going to hold it all the way throughout the year. And that this green line towards the bottom is as of just like two weeks ago, what the market was pricing in. It was saying, nah, you're only gonna get to 4.8% and then you're gonna start cutting towards the end of the year. But now you look at this red line, which is what the market was pricing in as of yesterday. And then this like uh, teal line, which is what the market is pricing in today. And uh, the, the market is kind of like markets forecast and the feds forecast are starting to, to converge and maybe this is what chem's talking about that over time the this is the crash course that uh that will happen the fed might have to raise a little more than they even expect and then the market has to come to terms with that um we're not necessarily seeing like a huge sell-off uh today uh, in the last few days because of it but i guess it's been one one percent yesterday almost a percent today so maybe a little bit, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I thought this was a good chart that kind of visualizes that crash course kind of like maybe happen a little bit happening today and, and something that we should, I don't know, keep an eye on o- over the year. It's interesting to me how much we moved in a relatively short period of time. And you would have thought that would have been a lot more catastrophic for markets. Um, and it hasn't been, there, there's like a, you know, a popular, saying in, in trading that like you, you have to notice when the market starts ignoring bad news. Um, it's typically a very bullish sign whether or not you want it to be, right? And then the other the other side of the coin is like what we were in like last summer where there was like there was no news good enough to <laughs> to, to bump. It didn't matter. It just we dumped on everything. Um, yeah, and it does seem like there's a little reversal of that right now. Um, but can, I think you, your your original point, you know, has definitely has legs that like the, the crypto market doesn't necessarily have to follow along with it. So we're in our own little world maybe for, for a bit. That's the hope. That's the hope. Um, 
Is there anything else you wanted to hit on for macro stuff? I got a, I got a fun little farming thing I can share. If we yeah, wanna. that's that's all the stuff I had on my list. I wanted to go over. All right, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about doing a kind of weird, <laughs> kind of weird trade slash farming play, uh, right now. Are you guys familiar with JPEG, JPEG protocol? protocol. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this has been around a while, right? It's been around a while. I've actually been yeah. following this project since the day it launched. I I think, I think it's related to some of the Dopex guys, Dopex, the options platform um, on, on, on Arbitrum. I've had like my eye on stuff like this because I, I still very, very firmly believe that like, Ethereum is ba- it's just a vehicle for NFTs. I think NFTs, generally speaking, are still just going to be so much bigger than people can conceive of. They're going to adopt, like they're going to bring in users, right? Um, like a funny example of this is um, with uh, with Bitcoin, right? You, you guys have seen the Ordinals stuff, right? Are you familiar with that? Yep. Have we talked about that? Yeah, Udi posted this chart of, of Taproot adoption. <laughs> It's basically like nobody cared about this freaking thing until you could just start imprinting JPEGs on, on Bitcoin. Give um, the people what they want. The people want the JPEGs, right? And you, you're a fool to ignore this data, right? Um, so I think NFT Phi and, and, and NFT um, kind of infrastructure and NFT exchanges, I think all that stuff is going to be like enormous. And I think as more people use NFTs, they want to do financial things with NFTs, like the financialization of NFTs, I think is like a very interesting um, thing to invest in. I didn't really have a chance to buy this. It was kind of like a farm and dump token to a degree. I don't like investing in these things um, as, a, as a general rule. Um, it's still like a really small market cap. Um, the, the basic premise is it's, it's, it's similar to uh, protocols like Bendow, right? Where you can kind of just use your NFT is collateral and borrow against it. Um, like you can see a lot of it. This seems to be like a very popular one for people with uh, punks. Um, but the, the thing so that's interesting. Show me an example here. I'm just curious what, what, what the rates are and what the leverage you can take on this thing. So it's 5%. I believe the base rate is 25%. One thing that's cool about JPEG is that they actually don't just lend on the floor. So they have multipliers for particular traits. Like I think like a ho- like this hoodie, I think has a uh, like a pretty big multiplier on it. Um, and this guy, see this little cigarette icon? There's mm-hmm. an NFT you can buy of this cigarette. And if you have the NFT, it gives you an extra 10%, right? I actually thought about buying these NFTs and I think that would have been a really smart play, but I didn't do it, um, obviously. Wait, just could- buying an NFT lets you take more leverage? Yes. That sounds odd but yeah I get it i mean it kind of makes sense because like the the base rate is 25 percent max it's pretty low so it's an artificially low rate and then you buy the nft all right fine i'll buy the nft i get an extra 10 percent creates demand for your nft i i, I kind of get it um and then if you hold tokens like you can get an additional boost with like locking up enough of, enough of the tokens right um so you can put a punk in here, you get a multiplier based on some of the traits of your punk. Um, what I'm thinking about doing is buying a punk just to farm it 
on here because currently you can get 77 and a half percent and farm rewards this was actually like a hundred percent a couple days ago um so uh you can maybe buy a punk and have it partially pay for itself via you know farming farming is this a hundred percent on the collateral value or the the amount you loan on the loan right okay so, so you can loan, so you're getting 77% on the 25% loan yeah, probably, that you're getting. Yeah, probably do, you know, probably do like 35% or something like that. Probably get the NFT or whatever. Um, so it's kind of like a funny play, I think, hmm. if you're thinking about getting a, a, a punk anyway. You can got to get a punk and put it in here and farm it. Uh, but you can do this with other other NFTs as well. It's not just punks. Um, they have... Board apes, mutants, doodles, penguins—you know the whole, hmm. uh, the whole nine yards. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, this is uh, using your NFT as collateral is a uh, risky thing. Do not <laughs> yeah. do this if you don't. I'm not going to use my current punk to do this. I want to just buy a new punk to do it, like maybe a really crappy floor one or something. So I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like kill myself if it happens. Um, you can buy insurance. Um, they have there's like a bunch of interesting features on the protocol. So there's an insurance fee you can pay, and it allows you to like buy back your 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 thing if you kind of get liquidated and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm just hmm. I'm just into the innovation in in the space, and I like looking at weird, cool things like this instead of like like the nine thousandth like decks that people build, but it's, it's got a funny skin on it and it's the native decks of Arbitrum. But I, I just like, don't care about that stuff anymore. I want to see like some of this more, uh, wild out there innovation. Real quick, Steven, what do you, what are you earning in that 77%? Is it the native token? Um, yes, mostly. Let's go back. I want to like hover over that tool tip. Um, what the, the APY tool tip there? Yeah. So, Hmm. Oh, wow. I guess there's a curve and convex APY. Interesting. Okay, so I guess you're getting curve rewards mostly. They must have voted themselves like a bunch pointed. of a bunch of curve rewards or something. Um, maybe they bought a bunch of convex and did that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's actually kind of nice for the token. It means six percent farm rewards isn't that bad for a for a token. So. Um, yeah, maybe I have to look back into that. I'm probably going to pull up the chart. It's going to be up like 20 X. So it'd be very sad. <laughs> so I don't even but these do are, it. these are fun to, to continue to look at. Like we've looked at kind of the, the protocols that are better casinos looking at derivatives protocols, like, like GMX we did before, but this is another category. It'd be fun to keep an eye on, like just the financialization of NFTs and, and particularly like borrowing and insurance. I, I mm -hmm. definitely want to keep an eye on some of these projects. Yeah, I'm always looking to figure out how I can invest in NFTs without having to literally sit there and buy NFTs because I just don't like buying NFTs. It's a very cumbersome and fee-intensive process, and I, I just don't have the brain capacity for it. But I'd love to, You'll never love to make bulk it invest in with some protocols. Yeah. With spreadsheets and over-the-counter transactions. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you get a hard stop in a couple minutes, so maybe we, yes, uh, maybe we just the wrap old it there. hard stop. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. we'll circle back, you know, next week. So um, we'll be here. I have to say, by the way, um, we have not done a good job of. Uh, you got to tap tap uh, pat yourselves on the backs with uh, Rocket Pool. Uh, when did we do that episode? I was, was trying to find the date on that. I don't know. Um, Approaching all time highs, right? 
Rockapool and, and GMX, I think. Yep. Um, Damn, when was that? Beginning of the year, I want to say. Do you want the the ultimate pat on the back? Yeah. Let me see. I'm I'm pulling up the date now. This this is where we had the brief conversation about render. Oh yeah, render was, <laughs> was one. But I'm render, trying to go when back. it was at forty cents. It's at. Uh, it went up to two twenty. Two twenty. We should try to mark our what episodes where we go from like bull, generally bull to bear, and from bear to bull. But like our first. Uh, episode that discussed crypto bear markets was january 7th 2022 it looks like i think that one's a good that was a very good marker that was a good pat on the back yeah yeah Yeah. maybe yeah we don't always rocket pool's had a pretty good year we don't Uh, always lose you money sometimes we we (laughs) um yeah i mean the goal is to be right 55, 60% of the time and manage your risk properly. And you can make a lot of money doing that. Nobody nails everything, you know, like Druck and Miller is not right more than 60% of the time, maybe, if that. Um, markets are hard. They're not easy. If they were, we'd all be billionaires. Yeah. Let's. All right. I like it, boys. Um, great stuff. Thank you, everybody, for joining live. If you're on YouTube, uh, we did some deep analysis on our YouTube channel, leveling up. We created some playlists for you, kind of like organized our channel a little bit. This was really fun. And um, yeah, more soon. We'll see you guys on uh, on the next episode. All right, All right boys. Sounds good. Thank see you next you. week. Later, right. everybody. Bye-bye. Fading music in. Goodbye. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding.